Change, as we all know, is something that is never going to stop. And all of us, there is no one that we can interface, there's nobody that we can meet who does not experience change or who has not, has not experienced change. It is starting with a clear vision, beginning with the end in mind, right? So starting with a clear vision, as clear as we can. Trust is also a big part of this, right? People need to understand why. That's a huge thing. I talk to leaders about that all the time. Welcome everyone to the Change Start to Your Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Odom. And this week we are touching a subject that I think anyone who listens to this podcast is excited about. And it's just change. Change is inevitable. Change is everywhere. Change is constant right now. And so we thought, you know, the first interview of the 2024 year, who better than one of the co-authors of our latest book or one of our latest books, uh, Change, How to Turn Uncertainty into Opportunity. So we've welcomed... Marche Plachette, who is one of the most seasoned, longest tenured, uh, most experienced Franklin Covey consultants that we have. And you'll see within about, I don't know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, why she is so talented and so effective at what she does. This conversation is a really fun conversation. We dive into our really interesting, I would say, we dive into the zones of change. So as any of us are trying to implement change, there's different experiences you're going to have. And so we dive into each zone. And then we talk about the reactions to change, because obviously we know that change is tough, even on people who really embrace change and love change. Um, but as we're leading groups of people, we're going to have folks in different buckets. And so what do we do for those folks uh, who go from super excited to not coming offshore, wanting to be a part of it? It's a great deep dive into a conversation. I hope it answers many of your questions. But as most of our interviews do with authors, I have about another two or three episodes of questions I could ask her. And so I just encourage you to check out her book. Again, uh, thank you so much for being a listener. I hope you enjoy this content. If you're a subscriber, thank you. If you haven't subscribed, please hit the subscribe button when you get a chance. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, the most important thing you could do as you listen to uh, my conversation with Marche, please share with anyone in your life who you think could be uplifted by it. So. Uh, enjoy this episode. Marche, thank you so much for making time to be here with us today. Very excited to be with you, Dustin. Thank you. This is exciting. So just real quick, for obviously, uh, there's probably a number of our listeners who have had experience with you, but a number who haven't. Give a little bit about your background and what brought you to Franklin Covey and uh, doing the work that you do on a regular basis. Yes. So um, my background is public relations. I so my background is public relations. It's interesting because um, studies actually say that the average American has about six careers, not jobs, but careers in a lifetime. And I absolutely have had six careers in a lifetime. I've done a number of things, but before coming to Franklin Covey, I was manager of employee retention at a major health system here in Atlanta, where I uh, reside. And the irony of it is I was over employee retention and I was doing a relatively good job with that. Um, but there was something more. There was something more. I wanted to do something different, something that was more, um, gave me the opportunity to share more in a bigger way. I don't know. And I met someone who had previously been a consultant at Franklin Covey, um, who saw something in me. We were in a coaching program together and she just asked, would I be interested in um, facilitating, you know, is what we 
cut, it was narrowed to that at that time. And it was just so interesting. I started to do that, started my own business, doing training and uh, consulting and just kind of started to lean towards Franklin Covey. I loved everything about what we do here and uh, the concepts. It was so much aligned with what I do. So there you have it. Yeah, I hit on a little bit in the intro about uh, the number of days that you've done in terms of days is like traveling. Can you tell the audience how many consulting days you've done in terms of training uh, different organizations <laughs> on our content? Yes, thank you so much for asking that because something very um, exciting happened for me that I wasn't even aware of. A couple of years ago, I uh, had the honor of being um, inducted into a very rare space at Franklin Covey, which was the 1500 day club. I mean, over time, it has taken time to do that. That means that I have done or interfaced 1500 uh, clients, experiences, um, deliveries, and that adds up to um, traveling miles. Uh, it means sleeping in hotels. It means interfacing hundreds of clients. Um, it really means a whole lot than, than than just those days. But I have that has been a couple of years ago, and of course, it's probably been a few hundred more days since then. Yeah, well, I think it's phenomenal because it's it's shown that you know obviously you you have a rich history and understanding of all of our content, but you really have a rich industry of uh, a history of understanding challenges that organizations are facing all across probably the world. I assume living in Atlanta. You're one flight away from just about everywhere on the planet. And so I'm sure you're going a lot of different places. My question for you is, you know, the, the main point of our conversation today is talking about your book that was released last April, Change, How to Turn Uncertainty into Opportunity. How does your personal journey relate to the themes that are explored in this book? Yeah. So change, as we all know, is something that is never going to stop. And all of us, there is no one that we can interface. There's nobody that we can meet who does not experience change or who has not, has not experienced change. But I mentioned just a moment ago, I was in a coaching program. I am a coach, an executive coach, a leadership coach, and coaching is all about change. And it is, and what we do at Franklin Covey is all about change. It's about helping organizations accomplish their goals through behavior change. And so it's my wheelhouse, helping people accomplish goals, helping people to get from point A to point B through change. And so I was very excited. I felt very connected to this whole idea when, I was, when it was brought to me to work on this change book. It's, it's exactly who I am, what I do, and it just made sense. Yeah, so uh, when you... Think about the change. Actually, you know what? Let's just start here. How about you describe the change curve for everyone uh, who hasn't explored to it yet? I, I'd love to see. I, I can. It's really easy to draw and think about, but I want to see how you do this on a podcast format. Sure. Okay. So what Dustin is mentioning is the change. The the there's a predictable pattern of change, and he just mentioned the change curve, and so it doesn't matter what industry, what profession whether it's personal, whether it is professional, there's this process that everybody goes through when we experience change. So if we're doing business as usual, we're masters of whatever it is that we're doing, we're in the zone of status quo. And in the zone of status quo, we can all know change is still going to happen. It may not have begun yet, but you can count on at some point 
change. I mean, just as human beings, we're growing, we're aging, things are happening in society that will impact us and work. So status quo, it's going to be important for us to look for what's coming down the pikes, what's happening, what we should be prepared for. And so that's the zone of status quo. Beyond the zone of status quo, when change happens, there's this dip. So I want to start with, you mentioned the change curve, right? We're, we're, we're in like business as usual. And then when change happens, it takes us down. And it does not matter. I, I jokingly say, even if we were to win a car, there is going to be a change. You've got to figure, let's say it's an electric car and you've never had one. You've got to figure out, it doesn't have to be an electric car. It could be just a car, right? It's like, we've got to figure out what, what are the buttons? How does this work? How, how, you know, what kind of gas do I get? What insurance do I need? So there's always going to be a dip and it slows things down. There's always an impact. And in the workplace and in education and whatever um, you know area we're in, it is going to have Oftentimes it has an economic, um, it impacts things economically. Sometimes, you know, it impacts things that are not, there's just going to be a slowdown. It's going to be, we've got to learn how to do things. It's going to be learning the ropes, getting acclimated, this emotional response that we have to change that just kind of causes us to pause because it's just how our brains work. And so there's this little slope. And in that space, we call that the zone of disruption. And in that space, it's important for us to figure out quickly, and particularly in the book, it really is geared towards leaders. We've had all kinds of people um, read it who aren't leaders who still find value in this. But as leaders, we encourage leaders, help people understand what has happened, why it's happening, and what it means for them. Because until we understand what's happening, we kind of spin our wheels and we feel certain ways and until we get enough information and feel confident, we kind of stay in that low point. So we've got to manage that curve. We want to make it shallow and short because the more we stay, the more costly it is, the more things, the, you know, things slow down. And so when we get enough information and we feel confident enough about what's happening and what this change is all about, there's what we call a point of decision, which is a thoroughfare to the zone of adoption or the space of adoption. And adoption, it's where that that little thoroughfare that I've just spoken of, it's where we say, okay, I'm going to try. People don't love the change always. Some people do. But whatever our responses or reactions to change might be, it takes us to a place where we will indulge. And in, status, in uh, the zone of adoption, we try different things. And it's where we need to be able to be creative to you know, figure out how does this work? What do I need to do if, you know, they're saying, or I, because sometimes the changes, they're changes that we have come up with ourselves. Sometimes they're changes that have been imposed upon us, but it's where we get a chance to figure out like, how, how is this going to work? So we've gone from status quo to disruption and then adoption. It's where like, we're trying, but it's not so smooth where we're just like, Oh, I'm trying. And this is great. And it's like, it's sometimes it's like a spaghetti bowl. We call it spaghetti bowl because sometimes we take one step forward and two steps backward. I tried. I don't like it. And to be honest with you, it's where a lot of change fails in that space. It's not in the disruption that most change fails. It's in the zone of adoption where people have tried. So there's a lot of work to do there. And then if we could just persevere, stick with the change, have confidence, communicate well with 
the powers that be and our colleagues or people who support us, we get to the zone of innovation. And that is where we are now like in a better space. And we realize that there has tremendously been value or we make there be tremendous value. Um, at least we have gotten through the change. We're doing what matters or what makes a difference. But we look for how can we level up because of this change? So that's the change curve. I feel like in the world of education, that's super helpful. And I've loved it ever since I got introduced to it. And so I, I feel like anybody listening, whether you're educated or not educated, this is so helpful. And so one of my questions is, how do you help people recognize which zone their their team is in, right? Because sometimes it, it might not be as obvious as we think it is. So it's important for any leader and any individual to one, just understand that that is the pattern of change. So if we know there's zone of status quo, there's disruption, adoption, innovation, it is orienting just to have, just to understand that. Um, our brains are wired to react to change. And when we understand that there is, because our, our brains get used to patterns. So when we understand that there is also a pattern to change, it's not as daunting. So we could get a feel for, you know, do I feel like a master? Is everything business as usual? You know, am I just in a real safe space or is there a need to grow? Maybe those are signs that it's status quo. In the zone of disruption, it is where we have learned that there's change, but it's where we understand we have some feelings about it. I'm not really sure yet. I don't know that I like this. I don't know that I want it. I am excited about it. Whatever it is, we get a chance to because there are characteristics for each one, as I'm explaining. Or am I in a space where I'm trying and it's not working? If I'm trying, if you're trying, you're in the zone of adoption, right? If you have gotten to a space where like, this isn't hard anymore, I have figured out what the change is, um, you know, but I mastered the change and I'm back at status quo. We don't want to go back to status quo. It's not as valuable. It's, you know, Everything that we do, change is almost always introduced, particularly in education or in any uh, in any work environment or industry, particularly, not just personal. But when change is proposed, it is almost always with the idea that it is going to make things better. And it, it's, so if we're in, in a space where it's like, oh, OK, I've mastered this, but I want I know that I've got to figure out, you know, what's possible, or I didn't do this for just minimal gains. Maybe it's innovation. So those are things that help us understand what zones we're in. But I will also tell you, it's helpful to understand our own reactions to change and people's reactions to change. And there are five common reactions um, that people have. And that's also helpful to understand as well. Oh, I, I would, you can't just like sit there and talk to our audience. Like even though that's my next question, I'm thinking, I'm thinking what are the five? So yeah, could you yeah. please tell us I thought I just, walked in on that one? I thought I'd just throw it out there and just leave it on the table. So, it, so it's really helpful. There are five common reactions. The, the truth of the matter is there are probably a whole lot more, but the first reaction, there are some people who absolutely love change. And I will tell you um, over the years, I have found that there are more people than I have ever experienced in my past um, who really do, who are more open to change. I guess I should say that they're more open to change. And there are some people who are excited about change. 
So move is one uh, response to change. Some people don't like grass growing under their feet. They don't like the routine of things. They, they like things changing. So move is one, uh, uh, one change. Minimize is another reaction to change. And that's where, you know, a person might say, I, I don't really like this, but I am going to do as little as is required. So they minimize, they, in some ways they, they don't want to do it, but they are going to be compliant. Then there are those who wait. And to be honest with you, we have different reactions and I'll, I'll share more with the, about that in just a moment. We have different reactions to, to, we could experience all of these reactions in one change experience. So I want to be clear about that. So, and it's d- different changes evoke um, different responses, but I will tell you, wait, waiting was one of my um, <laughs> common reactions to change. It's where a person is going to respond to the change, but they're waiting to see how everybody else is impacted by it before. They're just kind of observing, trying to see before I indulge, like I, I'm trying to, I'm going to do it, but let's see how this works. And I've gotten beyond that. I'm a lot better. Then there is the person who resists. There are people who don't like change at all, or it's not that they don't like change. Sometimes they're looking at the particular change that is proposed and they don't like this change. And they have valid reasons in their own thoughts about why they don't want to indulge. And then uh, there are some people who quit. And that is, you know, a person who says, this is not for me. This is not what I signed up for. I don't like it. I don't want to be a part of it. And I'm not going to stick with this. Now, this is important to know. I mentioned in addition to understanding where we might be in the change um, pattern, it's important to understand the reactions to change. None of the things that I've just shared with you, none is bad. Not one of them is necessarily bad. They both have advantages and disadvantages. And I could speak to any of those for any of those spaces. There are people who resist who really can say, this could be potentially a problem. And perhaps we need to listen to them. It's like when change is proposed, you know, let, let's say in education, maybe we're saying this year, this is what we're going to do different with students, or this is an initiative or an academic, this is the academic initiative that we're going to have, and we're going to require this. And somebody's saying, this is going to be hard, and it's going to make it harder for students to achieve academically or whatever it may be. If that is proposed, probably, and here's what's really important, by the time change is proposed to, to anybody in the workplace, the leaders who have decided that that's going to happen, they've already thought through it. It's been processed, analyzed, all of those things. And it's it, then it's just kind of given and we're, ex, we're expecting people to just like get with it, just change. It can't be that way. Like we've got to work with people and communicate well with them. And so for the person who resists, it's going to still change, but maybe we should listen to what they're saying because it could be helpful in, in engaging everybody else in the change process. Maybe the person who moves could move too fast, right? Um, And so they need a little bit more information. So it's just helpful to know what the reactions are. Yeah, it's funny. My uh, A good friend of mine, Chad Smith, who's worked with our organization way longer than I have uh, in the Southeast, he used to talk to me about uh, speedboats, tugboats, and rocks. Mm -hmm. Speedboats being the folks that right away, they're gone. It's like my wife, she like... On Friday, she knows something that's coming down the pike from her principal, mm-hmm. implementing it on Monday. Uh, I'm probably more of a tugboat. I get it on Friday. I am in. 
I need to see it out a little bit more. I got a few questions I want to ponder before we implement. Mm -hmm. Then the rocks are just never coming off uh, shore. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like every staff is kind of like fits into that world. And so it gives better words to that. Absolutely. One of the questions I have for you is right now, uh, it's probably the first time I've noticed it in education history is whether it's an urban or rural or suburban district, everyone's struggling to fill their teacher vacancies. Mm -hmm. And so when you're a leader in that environment and you're trying to lead change, I just talked to a good friend of mine uh, last week uh, who's a principal in the Midwest, and he really wants to make a change and difference in his school. However, it's going to cause disrupting staff. And part of the fear of doing that is, staff leave it's not easy to replace and while that's okay in the long run of where his head is that those are kids lives and he just can't do it so what kind of encouragement do you have for people trying to navigate the nuance of that like i know there's not one answer but that's a tough place that a lot of people i think are in right now so what you just said is really the economic um business case for change we've gotta so change as i mentioned before is like whenever change is proposed it is almost always to make things better. So if we're losing everybody in the process or we're losing a majority of people or a lot of people, I guess I might say, um, in the process and it makes things harder in the long run, then that's not a successful change, right? So, and by the way, a McKinsey study actually shows that only 26% of change initiatives are successful which means that there's work to do in how we go through the process of change. And it is so imperative that ch change is a human phenomenon. And we can't forget the people part of change. And I think it, with the book and with all that we do with change at Franklin Covey, it really is, that's what distinguishes our change process and you know, it's, it's beyond the process. It really is very much about people. So it's important to, to, as I mentioned before, when leaders get, when they propose change to people, it's already been thought about. Pe our people are getting it much later, typically. Like it's been thought about for weeks, months, sometimes a year or more. And so it's important for leaders to have a, like, they're in a really good space where in the zone of status quo, they have this good vision, if you will, like they see the zone of innovation. And it's important for them to be able to convey that story in a really compelling way to the people that they are proposing, because the change can't happen without our people implementing it. It can't just be the leader saying we're doing the change. Like if everybody opts out, then the change isn't going to happen. So that is one of the things that's really important to communicate really well, to hear people really well. It really is about being a compelling storyteller also. Before, you know, as leaders, before we give or, or tell somebody, this is a change, you know, that we're gonna have, like, think it through, think about how are you going to talk about this? How are you gonna make this a compelling case? In the zone of disruption, it's important for us to validate people's reactions. Some people are scared. Some people are angry. Some people are used to, they have, so all of the different reactions that I mentioned to you, it's like, we gotta have conversations with them. How are you feeling? Are you feeling like you wanna wait to see what happens? Are you feeling like you're ready to go? 
Are you feeling like this isn't for you? Like, we've got to have conversations about that. And the because that change curve that you mentioned earlier, we've got to make that change curve shallower and shorter because we got to get people involved and we've got to engage them. And it's all about communicating. It's all, it's, it really is all of, it's, it's a, we're not, we're not asking people to be psychologists, but it is kind of a psychology to change. And it is supporting people in the process, the very human process of change. And so as you talk about the example of um, your, your friend or, um, you know, the person that you were just speaking of, the important thing is that they understand this process. They understand the reactions. They think to themselves a change that they have been through, you know, that wasn't so easy for them. They empathize with people um, and, you know, that they communicate really well. It's all about people. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things I also hear is in our content, we often talk about effectiveness versus efficient, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so there's got to be those move leaders that are trying to be as efficient as possible to get to that innovation zone. And so they skip over the slow process of having individual conversations, having group conversations, getting tough feedback, mm -hmm. implementing such tough feedback, and then painting a, a clearer vision. Mm -hmm. Is there advice you have for those folks who are like, I got to get there. I have, I, we have urgency. These are, these are lives. How do we, you got it? Cause even though that's true, what you said is very true as well. We're working with people and you got to go at their pace in a way. Mm -hmm. So we, so as leaders, we got to have a pace. Like we, it is our, we've got to facilitate the process, but we cannot do it. Out, we can't do it efficiently. It's got to be effective. And so it's like, we want to keep the momentum but we've got to realize that there is this people process to doing that that can't be skipped. And if we do that, it is, you know, it, it really, it counts against you. It just, it slows the process down. So there's really, really Dustin, it is, it really is about effective leadership, really. Ch navigating change, the process of change is really, navigating that process is really about effective leadership, effectively um, helping people, appreciating people, empathizing with people, helping them, getting their ideas, right? Helping to hear, getting them in talking, talk groups where they get a chance to share with other people what they're doing that, you know, there might be the person who is ready to roll and they're doing some things that work and they could be encouraging to people who aren't quite ready. Or there are people who have tried some things and it didn't work and they could actually inform others like, I've tried this, you don't want to do it, it doesn't work well, right? Um, so it really is navigating that process of understanding that change is a very human phenomenon. I can't, I, I wish I had a, a different or better word, but it's a human phenomenon that we, we can't skip that. And that's why I think so many... So, so there, um, there was an assessment or some research that was done that showed that when people going through change within organizations in the process of change, it, an assessment was done with several different organizations in the process of that. When they were asked, how do you think this change is going to impact the organization? It, there were 75% um, of the people said, I think it's going to make things worse for the organization. When they ask, how, how do you think this is going to impact you? 
88% of the people said, I think it's going to make things worse for me. So it shows you that people feel like change, change is going to impact them. I mentioned that it slows things down when we go get to disruption. But do you know, personally, people actually don't sleep well when change happens. They report feeling like, you know, headaches, sickness, calling out, you know, so we've got to really not forget that people in the process of change, we've got to enroll them, engage them because we can't do it without them. Yeah. I'm, I'm picturing again, uh, my wife who is just incredible. She's uh, chief of staff for a school district and she yes. is very regimented. I'm more of the like, let's get to understand the people. Let's work slowly <laughs> through the process. She is like, I need a backwards plan, a Gantt chart, all the stuff that lets me know how do you help work with those folks that say, all right, I'm implementing this change and I've got from now until three months, mm-hmm. these things have to happen. And so they, they see where they want to go in the innovation, but there may be some resistance, but they still have to get to that deadline. How do you help them navigate through this? Mm-hmm. It's exactly what I said. It, it really is we can be efficient and we can be fast. And we all, as leaders, it is important for us to keep that momentum. So I'm not saying like sit back and just kind of let people get ready for change. And when they feel like it, just push the button and let us know. No, it we, we are responsible for seeing through the process and the timeliness of it. But we've got to understand we can't do that without communicating well. You know what? I was on a call earlier today and um, something had changed with the system that they were using, their computer system, whatever it had, you know, whatever it was. And the person who, it was just in preparation for uh, a project that I will be working on with a client. And she said, I am so sorry. I feel like I'm slowing us down from starting this meeting. She said, We've changed some things and I'm okay with change. I like change. She did, this was not even about change that we were talking about. She said, I'm okay with change. I like change, but I just wish they would communicate with us like what's changing. Cause, and, and so that's what I'm saying. It's like the communication piece, helping people to understand, have that vision that, that was already talked about or analyzed um, and, and, and being in conveying it. And you know what I said, convey, I don't even like that word, communicating it well. And communication is iterative, right? So giving people the opportunity, and that takes a little time, but if we do it, you know, Dr. Covey would often say, and I'm sure you've heard this quote before, with efficiency or with with uh, with communicating, fast is slow and slow is fast, right? So we could think that we're going fast, but it slows things down, or we could slow down enough to be effective and communicate well, and it speeds things up. So- I think it, no, it absolutely does. So that's why what I'm thinking is I, I was actually picturing my wife going through this change whole process herself right now and the frustration she's had and putting all the people in place. And so one of my questions is I feel like after reading your book and listening to you talk about it, uh, it feels like there's, there's some suggestion of embracing ambiguity as a crucial skill in this, like understanding that everything is not going to be clear all the time. Yeah. And so how do you help? build that tolerance for ambiguity and have folks make better decisions in uncertain situations. Yeah. Yeah. So really the name of the book is change how to turn uncertainty into opportunity. We're not always so sure. We're not always, but it, it is starting with a clear vision, beginning with the end in mind, 
right? So starting with a clear vision, as clear as we can, get as much clarity as we can. And it's not always, sometimes there are ambiguous, there are ambiguous things or there is ambiguity, you know, in the process, but it is being as clear. Trust is also a big part of this, right? People need to understand why. That's a huge thing. I talk to leaders about that all the time. Like people want to understand why are we experiencing this? We can engage people and speed things up. Like here's why. And sometimes we don't have all of the information, but if we'll let them know, you know, be as transparent and as credible as we could be. And, you know, I don't have all of the information, but I know that this is our goal and, and just sharing as much as we can, um, getting people more confident about, um, the where we're trying to go, the point B, you know, from point A to point B, getting them as clear as we can about that and valuing them in the process. It, you know, I just think that that is helpful. We may not have all of the details, but as much as we can share, it's really important. I want to share something with you. In the book, um, and, and you've read it, but in the book, we have a parable and um, it's called Who Rocked the Boat? And it's about... <laughs> It's about a cargo ship that's going down the river routine that faces a waterfall, unexpected. And I don't recommend people name their their team members, wait or minimize or resist. We don't want to name people that. They're just descriptions. But in the book, we actually have, we've named the characters, you know, each of those reactions to change. And they respond in all of these different ways. And it's like, um, minimize might think like, we don't know what's happening. Like we hear, we hear this roar, but we don't know. Um, wait might be saying like, I'm just going to wait to see if it really is like, that's kind of the ambiguity. I don't know what's happening. So I'm going to wait. It's different. We personify these reactions. And once they hit the waterfall, inevitably it's like river routine is no longer river routine. Things have changed. We're down the slope. The leader, the captain of the ship, talks to each person. It's like they're shipwrecked for a while, right? And he talks to each person to find out what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Any suggestions? How, because we, we were going somewhere and we still got to get there. We can't just stay here. Things change. We're, we're, <laughs> we're shipwrecked. We're stranded for a moment, but what are your suggestions? How, and, and they try and they do different people have to, some people have different kinds of attitudes you know, about it, but it's such a good example. And by the way, it's very helpful for anybody who's listening. Um, it's very helpful to allow even our team members to see themselves and to understand, like, we don't always know how things are going to work, but we have to try things and we have to listen to each other to figure out what might work to get us where we're trying to go. Yeah. I, I love, uh, the the parable but in full transparency uh my good friend scott miller started off your podcast going deep into it and so i was trying to do my best so i appreciate you bringing it up but i was going to try to navigate around it for uh differences but for those who are listening who have not picked this book up i mean i i'm i have a huge bias towards that type of writing and so i really tremendously appreciate that y'all started there and so i think it's an awesome add-on and i would just say it's a good way to get folks uh reading so with that um is there a profound question you've been asked in your consulting around change over the last few years in uh, some of the book tour stuff you've done or podcasts 
that you just think is like the best question that you've received because it's something that you helped bring more out of the book than was already there? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm wondering, I'm kind of perusing in my thoughts about a question that I might have been asked in recent years as it relates. Or a, a typical challenge that people have come up with that we've not talked about or something that like an experience that people yeah. have had that like can resonate with folks. Yeah, something's coming up for me. So I've had a few people ask like, what if you have like several changes at one, at one time? Because some changes happen fast today. Um, change imposed and change that's important for us to create. Right. We can't just stay the same. And so, you know, people have asked a lot, how do you navigate change when is so much change happening? It gets tiresome. Change fatigue is a real thing. It's a real thing. But my response to them is if we really can understand what I've shared today, the pattern, if we can understand that there is a pattern of change and we can feel where we are in that we could be more prepared for change. We could, and we understand the change responses. We could understand our responses aren't bad or, or others' responses aren't bad or good necessarily. It helps us to be, if we understand that, we can navigate several changes at any given time. So it's orienting. It gives us language. It helps us to understand we will get through or we can get through the change. So that's, that's a big question I've been asked. What, you know, what if there's more than one change at once? We, if you can do one, you can do it all. This is something, I know the book just came out, but this has been something that we've been exposed to internally for a, you know, a couple of years, which I appreciate greatly that you guys uh, kind of guinea pigged a lot of it with us. And so it's some language that I can use even with my kids. I'm finding personally this is really helpful as we try to like, even for myself right now, as I'm yeah. going through my own personal changes, I understand what to expect in these different zones and how to be prepared for it and how to just accomplish it myself. Uh, I know that doesn't help with communicating to others, but for me, at least gives me a mindset to get through it. No, this too shall pass. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So with that, we're going to change the pace real quick because I did promise to get you out of the top of the hour. Um, we have the rapid fire questions that I love to ask people. And so the first question is, What's a habit or discipline you implement on a daily or weekly basis to help you be the best version of yourself? Yes. Um, meditating. Med meditation every day. Um, there are some days, I would like to say every single day I meditate. There are some days that sometimes I um, betray myself and I jump up and I just kind of move on and do things, but I can always feel the difference when I don't, but meditating. And it's not the meditation moment that makes such a difference is what happens later in the day, later in the week. That is so beneficial to me. Meditation. That's awesome. By the way, it's the first uh, meditation answer on the podcast in three years. So that's impressive. Ah, uh, how about a book, either one that you always recommend or one that you've recently come across that you want to recommend to others. That's not outside of your own amazing book that I think everybody, <laughs> if they're, if people have listened to you talk over the last you know 30 minutes, haven't already gone to whatever their space is, Audible, <laughs> Amazon, local bookstore, support local, uh, and try to get it. I think they're crazy. So uh, besides <laughs> your book, what book do you recommend? Dustin, thank you for the championing, because I certainly was going to say change, how to turn uncertainty <laughs> into opportunity. 
Um, yeah. It's not the most recent book, but it's the one that came up for me um, when you asked the question. It's Mel Robbins' book, The Five Second Rule. I don't know if you've heard of it, but she just talks about almost like a rocket countdown, five, four, three, two, one. I'm realizing the power of just doing things now and moving with what, and I think that that is very much connected to change also, because sometimes we're afraid, we're sluggish on doing things, but it's the five second rule. All right. That's also the first time for that. This is great. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see if you can keep it going. Three for three. So as I always explain, uh, my kids are into baseball. We live in St. Louis, Missouri. Baseball is a big deal here. I didn't grow up here. So it's new to me, uh, being baseball, being everything. So my question for you is we like walk-up songs. What's your walk-up song to help you get in the right mood to set your tone for going up on stage or just being you one day? Uh, um, there's one that I used to, um, there's one, but another one's coming up for me. And I'm sure that these are off. You haven't, but I just, um, I can see clearly now the rain is gone. You know, it's like, sometimes I really, that really is kind of my thing. Like I can see clearly now it's going to be a bright sunshiny day. Right. And I think that half of our battle in life is just having positive attitude about things. Yeah. In the midst of everything, right? I would like to end there, but uh, I have one other question that I ask everybody. What's a quote or a piece of inspiration that you've come across or just like that's spoken to you personally about change, about leadership, about development that you've just been even meditating on possibly? Um, I don't know how your meditation works. I know a lot of times people try to get within themselves and not think about other things, but I'd be curious uh, if there's a quote or something out there that resonates with you. Someone said something today and I said to her, this is quotable. And so it's the most recent one. And I'll just go with that. She Take actually, it. she actually said a lot of times we have intentions, but we're not always intentional. And I thought that that was profound because I see intentions as just kind of like sitting on the table. I intend to do this. But when we're intentional, action follows that. And so I'll go with that. It's not, I hadn't thought about it or heard it before today, but it's really magnified in my mind. That's why we ask it in the rapid fire question, because it's, we're not looking for like citing some quote somewhere. It's just something that has made you stop, pause and rethink how you're operating. That did. So yeah. I appreciate it. All right, Marche, this has been awesome. Thank you for your time. I am going to get you out of here on time. Uh, just a quick question. How can people find out more about you, more about the book, uh, more about possibly even working uh, with your team on this? Yeah, thank you so much. I can be found on LinkedIn. And um, if you'll just look for Marche Plushette, and that is M-A-R-C-H-E. My last name is Plushette. That's P-L-E-S-H-E-T-T-E. You can find me there on LinkedIn. You can find the book on Amazon or other uh, venues where you can purchase books, but we love oh, Amazon is really simple. And it is change how to turn uncertainty into opportunity. And are you guys, what, what kind of training support are y'all doing around the book right now? If any, maybe it's just speaking right now, or yeah. is there a deeper change process you're working with folks on? My, uh, Co-authors and I are always um, available for keynote speeches. Um, at Franklin Covey, we have a class by the same name, Change, How to Turn Uncertainty into Opportunity. And there is one portion of it that is for individual contributors. 
and leaders. And then there is another portion of it that is particularly for leaders um, to help them lead their team members through change. So if you're interested in bringing this to your school or to your school system, please do reach out to us um, at Franklin Covey. And of course, you can go to franklincovey.com to find out. Yeah, you can just go right to the website uh, and go get in touch with us there. Uh, this is awesome, Marche. Thank you so much for finding time for us. I appreciate it. And hopefully uh, we get our paths get a chance to cross soon, okay? I sure hope so. Thank you so much, Dustin. All the best. Thank you.